0: It is, it is so good, you know, uh, to be with you all. Uh, I need to introduce myself. My name is Dan Shields, and I am one of the pastors, you know, uh, here. Uh, for those of you who are new, thank you so much. Many people ask, how are you doing? How are you feeling? I feel about 80%, which means I'm in a season where I'm overdoing it, and I feel bad at nighttime, but that's okay. Uh, way, way better. So just thank you for your prayers. I also want to tell you, you know, it's just been so moving to me just to be here. I've been here uh, behind the scenes. I've been attending services, you know, at the 11 o'clock, meeting a lot of you guys at 930. And God is doing something, you know, right now in our church. Uh, I, I could not go a day over the last month or so without hearing a story of life change, encouragement, transformation, you know, these answered prayers. And it's just a reminder, which I so am grateful for, that this church doesn't need me in a good way. In other words, this church truly is based on Jesus Christ and based on his people. And and when you go through seasons like this, to have that confirmation, to have that reminder is so encouraging. And so I just want to thank the staff. I want to thank the elders. I want to thank you volunteers. And I just want to thank you as a church You know, for just being the church, and it's just uh, instilled in me my great passion and love for you guys and for what God is doing around here. Uh, Now, I also need to mention, because we are Valley Real Life, um, that I heard some whining, some complaining, not from you, from people who are on this stage who spoke the last four or five weeks, You know, uh, they complained about what a hard subject that they had to teach. Oh, poor me. I actually have to talk about what the Bible has to say. So let me just say this to Cal and to Matt and to Dr. Lawson. Suck it up, you big babies. (laughs) You could have said no, but you chose... To say yes. You knew what you were in for, and you said yes anyway. Now, seriously, I love these guys. These are mentors and friends, you know, in, and, and been lifelong friends in ministry. And so, can we just thank Kelly, Matt, Cal, and Dr. Lawson for speaking? You know, that is such a great job <laughs> these last six weeks. So, like they said, today I get the easy job, you know, of probably talking about the most famous chapter in the Bible. Uh, The one at least that's most familiar to most, whether you go to church or not, because it's called the love chapter. Uh, And it's the one that's always referenced in in, in weddings. And so uh, you've gone to weddings and you've heard this love is patient and love is kind and here's what love is and here's what love isn't. And yet it's interesting because in its context, that's not why Paul wrote it. Uh, If you remember, Kelly talked about last week, he talked about spiritual gifts and being the church, and you know he walked through orderly worship, and what does that look like? And then he's crescendoing up to a point and saying, but let me remind you what's most important. In other words, he's talking to people who follow Christ, and they're not getting along with each other. And so he's going to emphasize with them, hey, you know all these things I've said, let me remind you, or let me emphasize to you what's most important, which is love. Now, does it apply to husband and wife? Absolutely. But in its context, it's talking about church people, Christian people, actually living as Christ has called us to live. But I want to back up for a second. Um, when you think about love, what's the immediate thing that comes to your mind? So whisper that to the person next to you. When you think about love, what's one of the first things you know, that comes to mind? And, and while you're doing that, uh, maybe the first thing that comes to your mind is relationships. You know, maybe it's a family member, it's a it's a coworker, it's a friend, a husband and wife. First thing you think of is relationships. Now, I know you, because you're like me, some of you thought about coffee. That was the first thing you thought about. It. Any coffee drinkers, you know, in the house? Okay, so you love coffee. Maybe it's food. The last meal you had, you're like, oh my gosh, this is so amazing. Some of you, when you think about love, you're like, ooh, I love sports. So you just think about the sports, you know, that you watch or participate in. You know, some of you think about animals. Right, Your pet, and I have no idea why cats made it on the screen, you know, because it <laughs> shouldn't apply. But puppies, dogs, you know, that's what really matters. And I, and I know how much we love our pets. We mourn, you know, when they actually pass away as if they're family members. They are part of our family in many ways, shapes, and form. Now, some of you might say, well, I love the last movie or the music that I listen to. I love music. That's what I think of when I think about love. Now, for me, you know, honestly, when I think about love, especially this weekend, I think about these two. For those of you, yeah, we can clap about that, Eric Calico. Uh, For those of you who might not be aware, uh, Eric, you know, uh, again, has been with our church for 18 years. You know, and as I told him, I said, you outlasted two lead pastors, but you couldn't outlast a third. I win (laughs) competition. You know, but uh, uh, 18 years, he's been a part of what God's doing. 40 years, he's been in ministry, and him and Calico have made such an impact in our lives And this is his time of retiring uh, and taking a break for a while. And then we'll see what God has, you know, many months down the line for him. But we're going to honor him, you know, just a little bit later in our service. But I I cannot tell you how much I love these two. But the question we want to answer, you know, this morning is, what is love? Baby, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me. No more. (laughs) Those of you under 30 have no idea what's going on right now. <laughs> it's just amazing. You see, common love is to love someone or something that pleases us. That's common. You know, something that gives us joy. We love because that person also loves us. We, 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 it's something that brings us happiness or joy. And in our culture, we only have one word for love, which if you've ever learned English from a different culture, it can be very confusing to only have one word when many other cultures have different ones. Now, the guy who wrote, you know, 1 Corinthians understood that the Greeks, they have four primary words for love. And some of you have heard this before. Um, you know, but in our culture, we can say things like, I love my wife and I love ice cream. You're like, what? Is that the same? Well, s- some days. But, um, you know, uh, <laughs> but in reality, you have to understand context, right? Uh, I love my child, uh, but I also love lamp. Some of you guys anchor man, you'll understand that. Um, but the, the Greeks, like I said, they had four words for love. And and you know the first one is storge. You know, storge is this familial love, family love. It's like a parent to a child. This deep blood bond, you know, that happens, you know, as soon as the child is born, hasn't done anything to deserve or earn love, and yet there's this bond that actually takes place upon the child's very existence. That would be storge love. Now phileo love is a second type of love. It's, it's a deep friendship. It's a brotherly kind of love. It's, it's where we get the term Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. The third is eros. It's a romantic Love, you know, and then, you know, as, as you become married, it's an ex- sexual expression of love. It's where we get the term erotic in our culture. But then there's one more word for love. But it wasn't a word that was used very often, very foreign even to those in that culture in that day because it's the hardest and yet it's the most powerful and it's called agape. Now agape love is deep, unconditional, and that's the key word for love for other people. It's also our love that we get from God. It is a love that loves without changing. It is a self-giving love that gives without demanding or expecting repayment. It is love so great that it can be given to someone who is unlovable or unappealing. It is a love that loves even when it's rejected. It is sacrificial, giving, absorbing kind of love. The word actually has very little to do with emotion, it has much more to do with commitment and self-denial for the sake of another. So I wonder if, as I've talked about this love, do you remember the last time that you received this kind of love from another? You know, where you received this unconditional love. In fact, in spite of you, in spite of me, you received it. Uh, in fact, uh, in addition to my parents, you know, the, the person who has probably demonstrated this most consistently in my life is my wife, Carolina. You know, she, yes, we can clap for her. I like that. <laughs> Carolina, you got a fan club. Uh, we've been married almost 26 years, and I cannot tell you how often she has loved me on the days that I didn't deserve it, and actually in spite of me. In fact, there are times that she has forgiven and loved me when she had every reason not to, and yet she still loved me this way anyway. And I wonder, as I describe that, do you remember the last time that you felt that? And it could have been from a spouse, a parent, a friend, someone who you may have even treated badly, but they still loved you anyway. In fact, I guess my hope is, if you've not received this on a consistent basis, my hope and prayer is that this church, this place, this group of people would actually be that in your life. That whether it's... Oh, individual, whether it's a small group, that you would find a few people that would say, you know what, I know you, every part of you, and I love you anyway. That's the power of agape love. See, if, un- if common love is to love someone or something that pleases us, then uncommon love is to love others as Jesus loves us. In fact, before Jesus was going to go to the cross, he gathered his disciples for one last meal. And as he's telling them some important things in life, he says this statement in John chapter 13. So now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Now, we look at that. We only have one word for love. And we're just like, well, what's the big difference? That love is the word agape. So they're like, whoa, that, that, is, that is a big high bar of agape. What does that look like? And then he gives them the example. You should love one another as I Have loved you. What's fascinating is Jesus doesn't tell them or remind them what that looks like. Like, hey guys, remember when these last three years I did this or did that or did this or said that? He doesn't have to remind them because he lived in that love with them that they would automatically know what that meant. But for us, sometimes we need a a little further example or further understanding. But then he says this your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Now, that should cause us, if you're a follower of Christ, to stop us in our tracks. It's not our faith that's gonna show the world, it's not our sacrifice. It's not our service. It's not our generosity. It's not our knowledge, even though all those things are incredibly important. It says our agape love for one another is going to bring testimony to the world and said, these people are different. The way they love is uncommon. And I want to be a part of that. That's the separation. See, how did Jesus love? Because we got to kind of back it up a little. How did he love? And let's start with the person of Jesus. Jesus is the personification of agape love. It's not just what he does. It's embodiment of who he is. In 1 John four sixteen it says, We know just how much God loves us, and we have put our trust in his love. God is love. Not that he just demonstrates love, but he is what love looks like. If you want to know the way love is, the Acts talks like, look at Jesus. Jesus also proves that he loves Everyone. (laughs) Common love is to love people who love us. Uncommon love is to love everyone. How do I know that? For God so loved the world. He didn't say, I'm just going to love those who are going to receive me. I'm just going to love those who are going to love me back. That's common love. He says, I'm going to love the world so much that I am going to die for the world to give everybody an opportunity to receive me. And that's a great start, but he doesn't stop there. Here's where it gets really hard. You see, Jesus loved us while we were still his enemy. A lot of times we don't think of ourselves as that, do we? We we think, well, we were ambivalent. Uh, We didn't know you, God, but that's not the way God sees it. In fact, in Romans chapter 5, it says, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Now, that's a whole other level. While we were still separated, he sent his son. And since we've been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation for since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son while we were, don't miss this, still his enemies we will certainly be saved through the life of his son so now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because of our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God we went from enemies to friends not because we deserved it but because of the uncommon love that Christ has for us that while we're still separated while we're still his enemies he says this is how much I love you this is agape love in fact to drive this point home there's a guy that comes to Jesus, and he's a religious guy, and he asked a question that you and I have asked probably at some point in our lives, and he asked Jesus this question, teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Great question. How do I get to heaven? What must I do to get to the other side? Jesus answers, as he often does, a question, not with an answer, but with a question. And he asks him this question, all right, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read? In other words, what is the specific first five books, a couple specific books in there? What does it say you know, about this answer to the question that you are asking? So the man answered, well, you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your strength, and all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus says, right. He says that's the correct answer that we are. And you've heard this. Two greatest commandments, and I'd even say three, is to love God, agape God, with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love our neighbor as ourselves, You see that third love? We need to love ourselves as well. So we got to love God, love our neighbor, and love ourselves. But the man wanted to justify himself. He, he was thinking about this, this question, and so he asked him, he says, okay, uh, uh, Jesus, uh, who is my neighbor? <laughs> so Jesus says, oh, thank you for asking. i got a story I want to tell you. You see, there was a Jewish man... That was coming from Jericho to Jerusalem, and on, on his way, he was attacked, he was beaten up, he was robbed, and he was left for dead. But lucky for him, a Jewish priest comes by and goes to the other side of the road and leaves him there. But, but, but then, then a, a Levite or a, or a temple worker comes by, and he sees him on the road, but he also just leaves him there and heads to the temple. But then a Samaritan, now if you were in Jesus' audience and you heard Jesus tell the story and say Samaritan, you would have heard, oh, not a Samaritan. Jews and Samaritans, they hated each other, hated each other. Now one of the reasons why is because Jews had gone through persecution as God's chosen people in the course of their history. And at some point in their history, God had told them to not intermarry and to stay true to serving God. Well, at some point in the history, there were certain Jews who gave in to the culture and married against what God's wishes were and intermarried. And so they had kids who were half Jewish and half Gentile, and they were named Samaritans. And so there began this animosity when the Jews came back to their homeland and they saw this intermarriage take place, that they, somewhere in their family line, they're like, you gave in, you gave up, you're not following the true God. And there just became this animosity that grew and grew and grew and grew where they hated each other. And Jesus, of all people, to give the example, says, and a Samaritan comes by. And he sees this Jewish man comes over, bandages him up, Picks him up, takes him to an inn, financially gives money to the innkeeper and says, hey, take care of him. And if you need more resources when I come by, I'll actually provide as well. Jesus sends the story there and looks at the guy who asked him the question, now, who is my neighbor? And he says, now, which of the three would you say was the neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits? To which the guy had to say, the one who showed him mercy. See, common love would have been the Jewish people helping Jewish people. Uncommon love is to see Samaritans helping Jews and Jews helping Samaritans. And so he looks at him and says, now go and do the same. So let's get more personal. Who is your enemy? Who comes to mind? Maybe another way to say it is, who do you just dislike? Who do you dislike? When you think of a group of people, when you think of an individual, who comes to mind? So let's start with an easy one. Politics. Okay, Let's just start real easy. Who is on the opposite side of the political spectrum of you? You know, those people. You know, that see the world and view the world and think this is the best way to go. And you're just like, those people are out of their freaking minds. (laughs) And you just have this animosity when you hear them talk and hear them speak. And yet Jesus says, love those people. How about a bit deeper? What about those in the LGBTQ plus community? There seems to be a lot of animosity around that subject. And yet Jesus says love. What about illegal immigrants, people of different religions, maybe those in the Islamic or Muslim faith? How did you feel after 9/11 towards those who are Muslim? Jesus says love. Those people. What about people who don't like you personally? Right now, more than ever, everyone is making the point that you're supposed to hate the ones that you don't like. You're supposed to demean them. Don't believe me? Just watch politics over the next couple years and watch to see how those who claim to be Christians and how they demean and call each other names and say, yeah, 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 that really demonstrates the love of Christ. I'll be honest with you. For me, hardest people to love? Christians. Other pastors. And I think it's probably because... I expect more. And then at the same time, I have to look in the mirror and be like, I've let people down. And I have hurt people who dislike me. And so what am I called to do? I'm called to love. And it's hard. It's hard when it's closer. It's hard when it's in your church, which is what Paul is addressing. The church people are not getting along. It's harder when it's in your household. It's harder when it's your neighbor. It's harder when it's a coworker or former friend. Uh, maybe another way to say it is, is uh, who is an EGR in your life? Some of like, what's an EGR? Glad you asked. It's extra grace required. When you think of this person, you just need some extra grace. Now, everyone has an EGR in their life. In fact, if you don't have anyone in your life that you can think of right now that's an EGR, that just means, you know what that means. <laughs> I'll let, let you figure that one out. We're called by God to love the unlovable because that is who we were in the eyes of God. And it's hard. It's one I struggle with on a regular basis, because I'm a fighter. And I know that God has called me to love. So who's been a good Samaritan in your life, or who could you be a good Samaritan in somebody else's life? And if you don't believe me by now, if I've not convinced you, then let's just take Dan out of the picture, and let's hear it right from Jesus. Matthew chapter 5, you've heard the law says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies. Now it's uncommon. Pray for those who persecute you, That's not what I want to do. I want to blast people who persecute me. But he says, pray. In that way, you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. For he gives us sunlight to both the evil and the good and says, rain on the just and the unjust alike. If you love only those who love you, common love, what reward is there for that? Even tax collectors do that much. And he's saying, look, see those sinner people, they still love each other. What makes your love different? If you're kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that. We become uncommon when we love in this way. So let's go one step further so we can recognize this. What does uncommon love look like? And this is where we pick up in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. This is the, the, what Paul is writing about because it's based on who Jesus is. And he starts out in verse 1 where he says, If I could speak all the languages of the earth, And of angels, but didn't love others, that would be only a noisy gong or clanging cymbal. Remember, in context, Kelly talked about this last week. He just talked about the importance of spiritual gifts. He just talked about having these gifts and having these talents and being a part of what God is doing. And obviously, some of the people in the church who are not getting along are thinking, my gift is better than yours. And I I have been given so much more than you. And yet, he says, if you don't love others, you're a clanging cymbal. Some had been given the gift of speaking in tongues, and we could talk about that later. And they were saying, Look at my gift. If I had the gift of prophecy, wow. If I could understand all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had faith that I could move mountains, but I didn't love others, I would be nothing. Amazing. If you had faith that could move mountains, if you get a gift of prophecy, and he says, But if you don't love others in the eyes of God, what does it mean? If I give everything I have to the poor. See, that's what it means to be a follower of Christ. And even sacrifice my body. In different versions, it would be almost like martyrdom. If I could boast about it, but if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Talk about some strong words. So what Paul is saying is gifts, talents, and achievements are worthless without agape love. In the eyes of God. He says we can have all these things, and they're good things. They're not bad things in themselves, but without love, what do they mean? I don't have time to read the entire passage today, and you've heard it before. Love is patient. Love is kind. But let me just tell you the eight things that Paul says that love isn't, and the six things that Paul says that love is. Sometimes we learn best by learning what something isn't. Versus what something is. And this is not exhaustive, like Kelly talked about last week. It's not the all-inclusive. But here's eight things that he decides to mention that would be important for that church, which lets us know that maybe some of those things were happening in the church. Here's what love is not. Jealous, boastful, proud, rude, demand its own way, irritable, keeps no record of being wronged. I hate that one. Does not rejoice about injustice. And here are six things that love is. Patient, the word for patience there is long-suffering. Love is kind. It perseveres. It's hopeful. Talk about when the world starts going in a completely nutso you know, uh, place. Isn't it followers of Christ you're supposed to love with hope? It's faithful. It endures. And it rejoices when the truth wins. Do you know what's really cool about this list? And I've heard people say this before, is if you take out the word love and insert the name Jesus, it still fits. Jesus is patient. Jesus is kind. Jesus does not envy. Jesus does not boast. He is not proud. He's not rude. He is not self-seeking. Jesus is not easily angered. He keeps no record of wrongs. You just look at that, and then you try to insert your own name. You're like, oh my gosh, I fall so short. You know, it just depends on the day and the time, Right? Now, let me be, I want to make sure I make one thing clear because sometimes we can see this kind of love and we're just supposed to love everybody all the time because we only have one word for love, but I need you to understand this doesn't mean that you agree with everyone and everything. And I know this is a foreign concept in our culture today, but I can love you fully and still not agree with you or go along with what you think, what you believe, or how you behave. Let me say that one more time. I can love you fully in what we've just described and still not agree with you, go along with you, and at times not go along with how you behave. In fact, true love, the way we've just described it, at times corrects, at times it rebukes, and yes, agape love even disciplines. It's all out of the motivation. If my motivation is for God and for other people, then that's going to have to happen. How do I know that? Because God says this is how he treats us. Because he loves us. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 6, For the Lord disciplines those he loves. Agape. And he punishes each one he accepts as his child. Show me an undisciplined child, and I will show you a child who is not loved. We need to have discipline. We need to have correction. We need to have rebu- rebuke. But is it done because of our love for each other? If it's done out of animosity or spite or vengeance, the motivation is what's paramount. It's what's key. Now, you can't miss this. If you've tuned out, I need you to tune in for a second because the most important thing to know and experience is that you and I cannot love others, not in what we've just described, until we experience this kind of uncommon love from God. We can't love others. We can do it maybe one-off because sometimes you hear a message like this and we walk away going, I'm going to try to love people better. You know what it's called? It's called moralism. And you won't make it. You'll fail. Because you and I need a strength that's greater than our natural self to be able to love people when they don't deserve it, when they haven't earned it, and in fact when they've deserved the opposite. Where do we get that love? From him. Because here's the reality. I know this in my life. When I'm connected to Jesus, it's weird. I don't focus on loving others. when The closer I get to Jesus the more he allows me and gives me the strength to do what I can't do, which is his spirit inside of me, guided by his word, where I can love others when I don't feel like it or when I don't think that they deserve it. That's the only way that Jesus shows us and how we do that. See, First John 4.19 says, We love each other because he first loved us. It's not, it's not the other way around. We're able to do this because of our love for him and from him so how do we grow in this uncommon love i don't know if you uh, uh realized the 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 bible uh didn't originally have numbers in it uh, meaning uh it, that was for us to be able to find out how to turn to pages in different places turn to first corinthians chapter 13 verse 2 13 and 2 was not a part of the original letter that paul wrote I know it's convenient for us, but those numbers actually weren't there. That's just more for us to be able to, to go along and to find along. Because the reason I mention that is that sometimes you're like me and we read to the end of a chapter and we're like, good, got it done, read it, closed it. But I'm like, shoot, maybe the most important verse of that entire chapter wasn't in that chapter. It's actually the first verse of the next chapter. And that's actually this case. So I don't know why it happened. I'm going to blame the person who did it, you know, because they didn't, they didn't end it, you know, at the right place. Here's my case in point. In 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1, here's what it says. Let love be your highest goal, exclamation point, end of chapter. That's where it should have ended, you know. We, we, and it's not bad, you know, faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. That's good. What's better is let love be your highest goal. And may that be true of us. As we spend time with Jesus, who says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Nothing of eternal significance and value. We've got to remain connected to Jesus. So my encouragement, my challenge, my hope is that we will continue to be the church that loves each other so well that the world notices that there's something uncommon about these people. Look at how they love one another, that they don't love the way that we love in the world, that they love beyond that in a way that supersedes that, that would draw them into the presence of Jesus Christ. Let's be that kind of church as we spend time with him. Now, as we close today, now someone who has loved so well, is Eric and Calico Svenson. As I mentioned, I have worked with Eric for the last eight years, and I can tell you that Eric is not just a person who leads us well here, but off the stage, he loves well. One of Eric's uh, spiritual gifts is the gift of encouragement. If you've ever been around him, he's always trying to find a way to say something positive. It's hard to walk away from his presence and not feeling better about yourself because you are in his presence. Uh, I can tell you for me, you know, this is a very hard emotional weekend, not just because of our friendship that we have constantly behind the scenes and the things that we've done together, but for my heart, emotionally, um, I get moved emotionally more than anything else through song, through worship. And I've never been under a person who has led me into the presence of God in the way that Eric has done, both here at staff meetings, all those kinds of things. Uh, Eric has a team. That he has developed. He has poured himself into this next generation, this next generation, this next generation. I know Eric only looks like he's 35, but he's a little bit older than that, which is why he's retiring. And he's poured himself in. Now, I would be remiss if I didn't tell you uh, how much Calico has been to Eric and to this church. Calico has been behind the scenes. She literally has been the strength to what we have seen demonstrated on stage. In fact, she is also creative. She also has invested so much time into the people, and you never get to see her, but you see her behind the stage. In fact, consistently we have, I've talked to other pastors and worship leaders, uh, we have eight services or more for Christmas and Easter. Do you know that many of the worship team ask way ahead of time, put me on for Easter and Christmas? They're volunteering hours, hours of time, not just because they get to lead us in the presence of God, but because of what happens in this back room that Calico And the environment that she fosters with those people with laughter and with this love, Calico loves people unconditionally. And so it's such an honor and sad at the same time that even though our friendship will continue to last, the partnership will change. But we want to do to end our service together is take some time to honor him by taking a couple steps back, a couple years back, and allow you to see and to hear some of the impact that he has made in all of our lives. I remember when we hired Eric, I had never heard him sing.
1: And somebody had asked me, so what does his voice sound like? And I'm like, I have no idea. The very first time he sang, there was this huge relief that went over me when I was like, dude, this guy can sing. He's got a really nice voice wrong a kong, I song pong Y kong, nong o rong wang yi gong i a nong a long song o. Surprise, Eric! It's hard to surprise someone who who I've worked with for 18 years, but man, you have been an anchor and you have been a strength on our staff. You have brought stability to what we do. Thank you for advancing Christ's message that way.
0: The first time you came to the office, the old office, and after that, uh, you were hired. You came on staff. It was so exciting. And then the many times on the worship team, Easter and Christmas, I learned so much from you. I love you, my brother, and uh, I know God's going to use you in great ways beyond. And congratulations on your retirement. And thank you for the years together.
1: Eric, Eric, was uh, instrumental in bringing me back to Christ. A lot of me falling away was because I was really frustrated um, with the church, and I knew that the church that my dad was pastoring at um, needed um, some video work done, and so I got to meet with, uh, with Eric. Through the time getting to know him, I just saw
0: a version of Christ that I hadn't seen before. I was like, that's the kind of Christianity that I want to be a part of. Eric, you look great today what did you do? But in all seriousness, I just am so thankful for the times that you would lead me in worship without even knowing you were doing that. And that was because we shared next door offices together. And I always had the benefit of being led in worship by you then and corporately. And as you prayed for people and for me, I'm just so thankful for our friendship and want you to know that I love you, Sfanny.
1: When I think of you, I just think of a man that is so anointed with the Spirit and brings so much joy to every situation. A memory that comes to mind is when I throw a theme at you for a staff meeting and how you would just bring a devotion and music and your words that would just exude the leading of the Holy Spirit. Eric, I am so blessed to call you a friend and brother in Christ. Eric
0: is as comfortable in a living room as he is out on a boat, as he is uh, in a small auditorium or something extremely large. He'll lead any group of people to worship in moments. Just his ability to be able to sit down and touch a few keys and open his mouth and start singing just draws a room together like, like truly nobody else I know. Man, I still remember the day we met back in 2003 at Guitar Center. And since then, we've been jamming out to Buddy Rich and doing ministry together over the last 20 years. Uh, From Maribu Chapel to Valley Real Life as a portable church, moving into this building. uh, It's just amazing to have you there by my side this whole time, continuing to point others to uh, Christ. And I'm excited for your new chapter in life. And just know that you will continue to point people to Jesus. Love you, man. My friend, retirement, it's amazing. Uh, There are so many memories, so many things that I could talk about from 120 decibels flooding the auditorium during service of white noise to the giant flood uh, across the church that we're all part of. But when I think of you and when I think of your legacy, I think of worship and I think of everything you've poured into the worship team and the way we worship and how you've made it about Christ and not you and not any people. My friend, it amazes me. Congratulations. Congratulations.
1: There's no one in ministry that has made more of an impact on on me and made more of an impact on my family than Eric and Calico. They've always been that rock and they've always been that friend and they've always been um, the people that took that relationship and and they poured that intentionality into it. And as a family, as a worship team, as an individual, um, so grateful for the friendship that that we have with you guys um, completely changed our life forever, and uh, we're going to miss you. I remember the first time I was on the worship team, and I was so nervous. I was like tense. I was singing with my eyes shut during practice, and I just remember being so nervous, and I remember Eric came up to me, and he's just like, look, I know this is uncomfortable, but open your eyes, relax, fix your eyes on Jesus, and worship, and I'll always remember that, and In that moment, I just remembered, he said, it's an audience of one. And that stuck out to me. And I remember that all the time. Out of the two plus decades of knowing you, I've had the privilege of calling you my pastor, my leader, my sounding board, my mentor, my fishing buddy, my triathlete training buddy, my skiing buddy. I've had the privilege of, of calling you uh, someone who I look up to, who I love dearly, and who I respect. And I think the most important one is I get the privilege of calling you my friend. I love you, Dad. It's because of
0: you that I suffered through these triathlete competitions, and so thank you. I'm not sure if I can thank you for that, but I do know that it really bonded us together. Those Fridays I will never forget. As long as I live, the times that we got to swim together, to bike together, and then to have coffee together just to talk about each other's lives, there's been nobody that I can remember that has led a worship team better than you have when it comes to empowering other people in their gifts and in their talents, even if the spotlight became upon them and not on you because of your love for Christ and for our church. I'm eternally grateful, my friend.
1: How could you possibly sum up decades of a career serving the church? The countless number of hours practicing lead lines and key changes. The tens of thousands of worship services leading God's people to unite with one voice to bring praise and honor and glory to our God. The thousands of lives affected on and off the stage, not just Sunday, but every day, showing the love of Jesus to one person at a time. It's not a nine to five, it's a calling and it's a lifestyle. The hundreds of relationships built over decades with so many musicians and vocalists, all with one purpose, and that is to bring our God praise. Tens of thousands of hours in prayer and preparation and humility to plead with God to be used by him in any way he sees fit. See, it's simple. It can be summed up by a few simple words Well done. Well done, good and faithful servant. Well done. you so much honestly i wanted so badly years ago to find a church where it was making a difference in the community but it was making a difference outside of the community in the world and and i am my wife and i are more than blessed to be a part of valley real life and to have seen how much and i, I look out at some of you and i see the lives that were changed and where you are now and where you were and God did something and God's doing something here and I love what he's doing and I'm so excited about the future here and I'm so excited about what he's done but to be a part of it for these 18 years has been an honor and a privilege thank you again thank you mm.
0: Got a lot of opportunity to love on Eric, but I know that the worship team and the tech team, they want to do something above and beyond, you know, for you guys. As we know, you're going to be traveling and doing a lot of different things. So they got you some of the few of your favorite things, you know, as well as some extra gift cards and some different things as well. So we're excited for you guys. Why don't we take some time and pray for them? Uh, if you just join me in prayer, you know, as we do this. Father, I just thank you so much, you know, for my friend Eric and the partner that uh, he has been, and, and uh, Lord, just what an amazing couple that uh, you have brought together. Father, I just uh, pray now for this next step in the journey that they have with you and with others. Father, I just pray that you just bless, that you would direct their steps, that they would just continue to find ways just to shine your light in the opportunities that you're going to provide. Father, thank you. Thank you for these years. Thank you for the blessings that we've all received and the help that we've come to know because of their connection with you and helped us in the same. So, Father, lead them, guide them, and direct them, and we just give them over to you. It's in Jesus' name that we all pray. Amen.